Chapter 82 Al-Infitar The Splitting Asunder When the sky is cleft asunder This chapter's name, Infitar, is a verbal noun comes from the root word Fa-ta-ra To split, cleave, come into sight and inaugurate This chapter talks about the splitting of the skies an event that will occur in the future. Its initial four verses begin with the particle ida, when, to announce the coming of a crucially important event. The world has an amazing order. The sun and moon revolve in their respective orbits. The stars are firmly fixed in their positions. And earth is surrounded by a protective atmosphere. However, One day, this order will be disturbed, the atmosphere will be destroyed, and the entire Milky Way galaxy will experience a magnificent transformation. When the stars are scattered, some stars are extinct and thus do not radiate light. Others, kawakib, like the sun, are luminous and shine. They are connected to one another like pearls strung on a fine chain, by the force of gravity. But when the entire cosmos falls apart, the sun, the moon, and our earth will no longer revolve in their respective orbits, and the stars will be cast into space like a broken necklace. The destruction described here appears to be of a scale beyond our solar system. It may even include a part of the galaxy, When the seas are poured forth, the passive verb fujirat comes from the root that means explosion and thus points to a specific phenomenon. Water is made up of two highly flammable elements, oxygen and hydrogen. The sun moving closer to earth, as well as volcanic eruptions and other natural phenomena, can create temperatures high enough to split water into its chemical components. In general, when a compound is broken into its basic elements, each one will exhibit its particular characteristics. Under such conditions, water will be combustible just as gasoline is. Thus, such phenomena can be explained by the natural laws of chemistry and physics. When the graves are overturned In its original meaning, grave conveys the sense of something hidden, covered and concealed. In this context, it connotes that on that day, all concealed and hidden secrets will become public and manifest. Other verses convey the same meaning. For example, chapter 99 verses 1 to 2 says that a massive earthquake will force Earth's burdens to emerge and all concealed and hidden secrets shall be exposed and revealed to the public. In other words, humanity shall become fully aware of its past. Then each soul will know what it has sent forth and what it has held back. The previous four verses begin with when. This verse explains why God has taken these oaths. Humans 
become aware of the truth of what they sent ahead and what they held back, aware of how they made their own fate as opposed to someone just informing them of it. In other words, natural circumstances and factors will create an environment in which truth becomes self-evident and people are made aware of it. During their prescribed lifetime, their good and bad deeds, referred to in the Quran as what we have sent ahead of us, have been recorded. Deeds have repercussions, namely what we held back, that will continue until the Day of Judgment. O human being, what has deceived you and made you arrogant about the generous Lord? After God has decreed all of the above, why do people still remain asleep and heedless? What has deceived them? Why are they so indifferent about that day? What has made them act with so much pride toward our generous Lord? To be proud means to be forgetful, which explains why people are careless when they should be cautious and vigilant. Note that the verse uses Rabb, Lord, instead of Allah, God. Lord is the attribute of God, who is the sustainer, the provider, and the regulator of the world's affairs. Who created you, fashioned you, and balanced you in due proportion? He is the generous Lord who granted life to this receptive being called human. The first step was creation, khalq, which progressed until everything was settled in its proper place and well-proportioned, taswiya. In the context of humanity, this means that all of the person's organs and limbs were positioned in their proper place. This creation then moved consistently toward growth and perfection, until all organs work together in harmony and unison. Furthermore, adala comes from the same root, denoting that there is close coordination and harmony between the various parts or affairs. For example, our lungs receive the inhaled oxygen and forward it to the heart, or the brain which controls and commands the body. These organs do not operate in isolation, but in harmonious cooperation. In whatever form he willed, he fashioned you. After the stages mentioned above comes the fourth phase, that of composition. While all animals have eyes, ears, hearts, and lungs, their constitutions are not the same. All flowers have leaves, branches, and stems, but differ in terms of shape, color, and fragrance. In other words, diversity makes a variety of compositions possible. Given all this, why can we not see the Lord's diligent hands in all of these diverse creations? Do we not see generosity in this magnificent creation? If we cannot fathom the hereafter, at least we should look at the world around us and reflect upon how far this union of sperm and egg cells has progressed. 
This chapter raises our awareness about God's lordship and generosity by drawing our attention to natural phenomena from the largest to the smallest scale. God is the sustainer, one that regulates this world's affairs with generosity. And so he questions why we have become proud and heedless of the wonders displayed so prominently in creation. But no, you show no gratitude for such a blessing, and instead you deny the day of judgment. The word deen here does not mean the religion of Islam, but rather the reward, evaluation, and consequences of one's actions. Quran mentions the phrase Yawmuddin, Day of Judgment, 13 times, three of which are in this chapter. One can surmise that it is this chapter's main topic. This day is not a 24-hour period, but rather the time when everybody will be requited for their deeds and witness the consequences of their actions. We imagine the hereafter to be a day in the far distant future, a time when we will be summoned to the divine tribunal, questioned by God and then consigned to either paradise or hell. This is no more than a figment of our imagination, for the Quran portrays both of them as the outcome of one's actions, that there are guardians appointed over you. The Quran frequently reminds us that our actions are fully transparent to God because we are supervised by an all-seeing, monitoring system. The watchful guardians who record our voices and inscribe our words and deeds will play back these recordings during our final tribunal in the hereafter. A tape recorder is no longer a great wonder to us, but it is still amazing that such a simple device can record and perfectly reproduce air vibrations. Likewise, our actions leave footprints in this world that our guardians record and document, despite the denial of those who reject the day's very existence. Ennobled beings writing down these honorable, impartial scribes are neither inimical nor malicious, for such characteristics would violate not only their nature and God's generous order, but also our own legislated laws. Who know all that you do, the verb tafaluna is in the imperfect tense form denoting that they are aware of all of our activities and inscribe them, while we deny their existence. The Quran's simple language made such facts comprehensible to a long-ago illiterate tribal society. The Quran says that these guardians inscribe our deeds, a metaphor to which pre-modern people could relate and easily understand. Our understanding today is not much deeper from Prophet's time, for we have no idea how these recordings are produced, what angels are, and what forces have been tasked with guarding us. Surely, the virtuous will be in bliss. 
what conclusion can we draw from this? The virtuous people, Abrar, will enjoy an abundance of bliss in paradise. Naim, bliss, is an intensive form of na'ma, blessings. This verse does not clarify its nature. However, other verses do offer some explanation. Whereas the wicked will indeed be in hell. In contrast to this blissful condition, those who transgressed all boundaries and violated all norms of morality and decency, fujar, will become prisoners of their own deeds and experience a dire condition. Burning there on the Day of Judgment On that day, everybody will reap what they have sown. They will not be able to evade that day. They will be unable to evade the consequences of their deeds, because every action leaves a lasting effect on the doer's inner self. As God is our only refuge, we need to modify our behavior and seek refuge in Him. Ra'ibin, those who are absent, refers to our present condition and tells us that where we are today in our lives is the result of our own choices and actions. Thus we cannot hide from who we have become, for every action has an equal and opposite reaction. What can explain to you what the Day of Judgment is? The Quran uses the phrase, Ma adraka, what would you know? when discussing subject matters that are either difficult or impossible for us to understand. The nature of this day is still as perplexing as ever, which explains the rhetorical question, what do you know about the Day of Judgment? We do not know what future events will unfold because our knowledge is limited to the past, which means that physics cannot address metaphysical phenomena. Again, what can explain to you what the Day of Judgment is? By prefixing the particle of time, thumma, hereafter, to verse 18, which repeats verse 17, God underlines the fact that we cannot comprehend, either now or in the future, the nature of this event. The day on which no soul will have any power at all to do anything for another soul. The absolute command on that day will be God's. The Quran talks about that day in terms that we can understand so that we can benefit from it. It reminds us that no one will be able to help anyone else and that only God will have any authority. Chapter 40, verse 16 In this world, we have a limited authority to make our own decisions, and thus human societies have judges and convicts. However, on that day, he will be the absolute and only authority, because our limited authority and ability to choose will end. This is the day when everyone reaps what they have sown. Those who integrated the Quran's teachings into their lifestyles not merely read, memorized, or studied it, have attained the supreme intercessor.